Hello there and welcome to the Truth About Local Government podcast, a series aimed at bringing some of the best leaders in local government to you at home to really demonstrate and emphasise the challenges the local government officers and members are facing at the moment. And today I'm absolutely delighted to have Alison North, the Deputy Chief Executive and Director of Internal Operations at Somerset West and Taunton Council that's recently, uh, that's recently uh, joined the new unitary Somerset Council in the Southwest. Now with her, she brings 20 years of experience. And what I am absolutely, uh, I'm so excited to talk about today is transformation and change and why that is so important um, in the current context. So any further to do, Alison, nice to uh, have you on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really thrilled and excited, actually, because this is a, a topic of discussion that's really close to my heart. Um, I'm quite passionate about it. So it's it's lovely to have this opportunity. Amazing. Well, again, thank you for coming on. We do really appreciate it. Question one, why is change and transformation so important at the present time? Well, um, we, as, as everybody will know, you know, we are all the more operating in a, in a global context. The world is shifting what seems to be a million miles an hour. I think in particular since the pandemic, um, obviously we've had the war in Ukraine and it's really brought into sharp focus the need for, you know, particularly I think uh, public facing ser um, services and local government in particular, to be really flight of foot, to be really agile, to really be able to support communities, support um, residents and just support you know, the, the places within which they operate to, to sort of come through some of these global challenges. And I think that's the real core role and the ability to be flight of foot and change and transform to be able to adapt to that is never more important. I think in the past, transformation has been very much driven with a forward focus on reducing funds, which hasn't gone away. Let's face it. You know, we all know in the public sector that that funds are, are, are tight. Um, but I think what the current context is, what has shifted now is actually, yes, funds and funding and, the, and, and affordability absolutely has to be up front and central but also so does the role, the really important role that we absolutely saw during the pandemic as well, in particular that local councils uh, provide and to not have them there and to not transform to enable councils be, to be there, I think is, um, you know, is, is a real danger point. So that's for why I think transformation is even more essential. We're going to get into a lot of detail in, in a second around the actual mechanics of change because there are some really interesting bits that you just talked mm -hmm. about there around the priorities and around the ability to be agile because I do think you know for those listening at home when you think of a council and councils vary in size but they are incredibly large organizations managing an incredibly large complex range of uh, priorities so when you're doing a change program across even one director but sometimes across an entire organization the ability to be agile is incredibly difficult but if we take a step back for a second, what would you think has changed significantly over the last 20 years in local government? Um, I think the, the scale and complexity of uh, problems that the that councils have to, to pick up. I think uh, digital and the digitalization of the world has also provided some challenges and some changes that certainly weren't there 
when I first joined local government 20 years ago, the speed, the pace, the demands from, from residents, from businesses, in terms of how a council responds and interacts has changed really significantly. And therefore, I think the identity that councils have of themselves it also needs some work and some thought that that ability and that, that digitalization of the world. I mean, one of the things that I always used to talk about with my own directorate, particularly when it came to how do we serve our what we call customers, but actually, you know, our residents, but also um, serving our internal customers within the organization is that, you know, first and foremost, what people need is a an interaction that is effortless and B, they need to be able to trust it. And I think the the 20 years ago it was much more face to face. There were much more. There were more officers that were available. That effortless, trusted connection that people were were able to get in that immediacy that way has shifted because things have had to go more digital. But therefore, people's expectations in terms of how they receive and the speed of service they receive from the council is is high demand. And you know, servicing that and servicing that across all demographics, I think has increased with in intensity over the last 20 years is something that I've certainly seen. But equally what I've seen is a really interesting um, ability to provide skill sets in terms of who we could employ in the council and how we can then reach out into the community, the kind of jobs that may or may not be attractive. And I, and I think um, there's some really exciting opportunities as well that perhaps weren't quite there maybe 20 years ago. It was more a job for life and you sort of stuck in a particular profession. Um, so again, and, and I think this is where transformation absolutely comes in and change because it's not just about the transformation and the change that impacts on the community and the services, but it's also the transformation and change for the organisation, how it identifies, how it adapts back to that agile piece and how that then plays into how can it play its part as a really rich employer in the community. So I think there's far more opportunity um, for that than there was perhaps 20 years ago. And what do you think has not changed that you still still think needs to change in local government? Um, I do think that you know, and, and I've seen this um, where the officer and member relationship um, can be something that's really, really powerful and can work really, really well. But I've equally seen it where it it doesn't, and um, there is a there's a there isn't a sense of one team, and I, and I think that is something that is still failing to shift quickly enough. I think that's that's certainly something that I, I haven't seen any change on. Um, I do think, and back to your opening point about the vastness of councils, particularly county councils and unitaries, and therefore the complexity of the services, um, and how you break that down into something that is accessible for the public is still a change. I still talk to people you know where I live that just fundamentally do not understand who picks up bins who sorts out the road um, and, and our ability to help people access our services in a way that makes sense in a way that's effortless and in a way that they trust I get again I don't think that has has changed um, enough for me it's interesting coming from I had no background in local government before I started recruiting into it and I think with hindsight, 
you can't really appreciate the significance of the work the local government do until you really understand it. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to understand it when it's not part of your day to day life. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and I, was, I was talking to friends yesterday about the podcast and, you know, I was saying, you know, most people you speak to anytime council tax is mentioned, take the bins out. And it's literally such a tiny, tiny uh, uh, fraction of what a council is responsible for. But if people don't understand what a council is doing and what that money goes into and the complexity of it, because it is incredibly complex, they can't really get emotionally engaged with that. And I, I think that's, again, it's it's the purpose of the podcast. But so uh, we, you've got a, um, a saying, a metaphor, which I, I really love. It's called looking down the wrong end of the telescope. Mm. Can you talk a bit about that, please? Yes. Um, and I suppose this cuts to the heart of my my experience really through transformation. So um, over the last 20 years, you know, transformation as a terminology, as a process, it's it's never gone away. It's it's always been there. But my my very real observation is that we tend as a sector and as councils to what I call look down the wrong end of the telescope. With that, I mean that we tend to look at the whole big, broad picture of a big savings figure and a big we're just going to make it better approach it's that big scale end of the telescope whereas actually I feel and particularly coming back to what's going to be needed going forward I feel we need to look at the narrower end of the telescope and get really very specific and really very clear on absolutely the outcomes that are required and I do I it feels in some respects when you're looking at the millions and millions of pounds that need to be saved by councils that that is how is that ever going to touch the sides but my belief is by getting very specific very outcome driven you can then really start to target your finances you can start to target and galvanize people's support and um, their ability to input their best selves into it but more crucially and back to the conversation we had um, on, on politicians in terms of the politicians part in this so um my my last sort of step into creating transformation savings um, with my own directorate was very much from from the other end of the telescope and, and I said that to my team and they scratched their heads and I said we're gonna we're gonna get really specific we're gonna get really clear on our outcomes and we're gonna get really specific around the finances as well and a, a, a sort of a way of putting that into context if you think about um, going for a hospital checkup and you know the doctor will say well I'm just going to make you well well what does that mean actually what's the priority if you're going to make me well well how do you know where to start I've got a really bad pain in my leg I've got something in my chest where do we start where's the priority what's going to give me the biggest feeling of wellness right at the very beginning how do we know how will we know how will we make sure that we're clear that I'm fixed in that particular area just telling me you're going to make me well what does that mean so it's it's the same principle when we're looking at transformation and how we say we're going to create a better customer service we're going to the digital by default and we're going to save 20 million pounds by year three how do we know and what does that really mean when we say we're going to be digital by default for who for what how how you know and, and actually that's quite a scary proposition for some for some residents and also for some councillors and also for some businesses you know really so 
really examining and really getting clear and specific on some of these issues that we hear through transformation and sort of really drilling it down and starting at that end of the, the telescope and actually being brave enough to start smaller, to start proof of concept, to start building, I think will also help build agility into transformation programs. I know when the pandemic hit, we were mid-flight of um, leaning through in a transformation program that I'd started and, and, and it completely knocked us off course in many, many ways. But what also the pandemic did, it also provided us with a huge amount of learning in terms of the waste we could cut out of how we were doing certain things and how could we apply that to our day-to-day -day interactions. It also gave us learning on how we communicate and interact with our residents. It gave our residents learning and the ability to kind of interact with us in a way that they didn't even know they could. So, um, you know, there's there's scope and an and opportunity also when global events or big national events kind of hit us. And I think our transformation programmes, as we call them, need to be able to respond to that, not just in terms of practical, but in terms of how can we learn from this? How can we be agile with it? How can we bring this through? How can we check and balance those clear outcomes and, and keep agile and keep improving? So I, I do have, and I will say, I do have a problem, I think, now with the terminology that's transformation. What do you mean? Because I think it comes back to my analogy of, well, we're going to make you well. It's too broad. It's 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 too big. And I, and I do wonder if we ought to, as a sector, be really drilling down into I don't know, the phrase. Maybe it's maybe it is continuous improvement. I don't know. I don't have a better phrase at this moment, I have to confess. But um there has never the nirvana of the end of transformation. I've never seen, I don't think any, any council ever has described the nirvana that is, they get through a set of processes, they get through a set of culture change, or they hope, but actually, the, actually we can identify and say we've got X amount of money in the bank. This has happened. It, it, it never kind of comes to fruition because it's kind of then on to the next the next transformation or the next the next piece and, and I think that ability and agility for councils to stop reflect learn be agile be with their continuous improvement I, I think is is something we need to be thoughtful to when we're looking at transformation Hence, I think you're right as well just as, as just to stop on, on that point there because you've made a really really important point which is around reflecting on learns reflecting on data mm -hmm. because you know the, the peer reviews and you know the amount of councils that you know where sometimes it feels that you know unless there is something that goes critically wrong councils don't always or leaders don't always want to reflect when things haven't gone to plan but actually those are the opportunities where you can make the most differences to a function because actually there's so much that you can learn it, it's, yeah. it's interesting your approach and I, I really do enjoy the way in which you look at these things it's very similar to atomic habits um yeah. many of you have read that book but looking at the, the detail and having you know that the big the big things will look after themselves if we look after the specific detail that form the habits of our day-to-day -day, you know absolutely and just to add as well by coming in smaller and getting more specific it enables you to simplify and there is such a power in simplification again big scale transformation programs that are going to make you well as i say 
just become hugely, hugely complex and hugely complex, I think, for the politicians in particular to really understand that connection between, well, here's my community, here's my ward. There's this big, massive thing called transformation that the officers are, are handling. I'm told it's going to save us X millions worth of pounds. So therefore, I'm hopeful that might come through to my my ward, but I'm I'm not completely sure because it's so difficult for them to be able to really connect through how that is actually going to create something that they can touch and feel and touch and feel with their residents. And we're coming back to the heart of local government, and again, particularly with national and global pressures, that trust between resident and councillor and then council is absolutely all the more important. And I fear that for the right intention of wanting to be as efficient as possible, wanting to save taxpayers money in the face of diminishing funds, transformation programmes, absolutely, they're there with the right intention. Of course, they are. But and now I, I, it, I, I do feel a more radical approach. And it's certainly something that I was starting myself to, to gain some traction on. I sort of, you know, proof in the pudding, you've got to do it, walk the walk the walk, walk the talk, walk the talk, that's the one, isn't it? And, um, I, you know, I said to my director, no, we, we're going to start small, we're going to start specific. Um, we've got three years to create um, a savings, you know, to get to the end of our savings target. We're actually going to start with this year, we're going to start small, we're going to prove it, we're going to be very outcome driven, we're going to really involve the councillors very tightly in this. And we're going to absolutely have a system and a process and a set of governance and data that's easy to access, easy to understand, easy to track at a weekly, monthly and six monthly basis. We are going to absolutely do that so we can prove that by having this impact here on this transaction, it's going to create this much savings in the bank account. And we can absolutely track it from, from transaction through to bank account or if it's not a cashable saving, we can absolutely prove very specifically by making this change, this is the benefit that's going to happen for the resident or for a, a particular process. And we can be really, really clear on it. And a councillor can absolutely stand behind it. And that's what we started to do. Um, we just started to engage with, as well, our middle managers um, who absolutely know their services and know their people best. And it had a really profound effect because one of the things that I wanted to, to transform and also with the chief executive, we wanted to transform across the council was just levels of accountability within our people in terms of, again, providing that effortless and trusted service. And, you know, utilising culture and change programmes, we could have sheep dipped people through a culture change programme with some workshops, you know, looking at accountability, maybe building a new set of values and a vision and, you know, the things that we all know and, and, and love. Um, but what I started to find by my approach was that we were building accountability, staff were becoming accountability accountable because they were involved in the change. They were involved because they know the services so well. They were involved in helping make the savings, making the changes and actually things that would impact their teams, that would impact their job. But they were they were there. They were seeing the opportunity. They were bringing it to the table. They were helping us track it. They were seeing as well the data and the figures. And it gave them ownership, it gave them accountability, but it also gave them confidence 
to sort of see where roles, where the work would transform and where it needed to transform and where they themselves could change and transform into sort of new areas of work which they it's found the, the power of simplicity isn't it so you've you by being simple and you, you you can then facilitate a bottom-up approach and really yeah. empower yeah which we all talk about and I've talked about you know as a, a an OD practitioner um in one of my other other roles you know we talk a lot about empowering our staff and we want to but it, 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 it's actually, what does that really mean? And I think through deed and action, and we were at, we were starting to, to really gain some traction on that. And um, again, through, you know, large transformation programs, I've seen many times change agents and change managers brought in across the program and, um, you know, that the aspiration, we're going to change culture. But again, why? What's the outcome? How can we get specific? How can we mm. really get specific with our staff because again you know over the last 20 years we've got enough staff and employees that have also been through many many transformation programs and you know I've seen a lot of disengagement a lot of mistrust from staff as well so absolutely because you're you're sat there saying you know well how is this any different to the change that we had or the change program we've had previously I just want to go back to a point you said earlier as well around the need to reflect but the, also the the need to to celebrate. I think sometimes from the outside in, when you've got these change programs, if you're not, as you said, not being specific and you don't know uh, the priorities and the starting point and the end point and specific outcomes, and you're not able to celebrate success because you can't you can't you can't actually um, measure um, the outcome in terms of the success of what you tried to achieve. It must be very difficult if you haven't got that ability to actually maintain the well-being of the staff because it's it's just a a continuous. Uh, sprint as opposed to being a very you know a short focused program to deliver specific outcomes I mean one question I've got for you here is how do you provide true financial tracking and measurement on a change program like that what steps do you take well we actually built um, a simple I say simple but sophisticated um, tool and program um, management approach so again um, I've seen many times um, PMO offices um, come into structures, go from structures, come in, go out, program management offices to have an organisational view of all the programmes that are going on across the council, ensure there's good governance, ensure that we're measuring cashable and and, and non-cashable benefits. And they've never really um, hit the mark. And I think one of the things that has caused that is they're too complex too difficult for people to interact with the data is too messy it isn't simplified enough it isn't clear enough so um, we set about again working with us middle managers um, my leadership team did this and I actually brought in some external support which I'll talk about in a moment in terms of approach to transformation as well but again it was very specific it was very targeted um, support they uh, actually sat in the background and actually worked with with my team, with my middle managers very much in the background and just supported. And my middle managers actually led and brought the solution to the table to say, actually, this is how we think we can start tracking and, and measuring. That was fine in terms of building a data system and something that people could use and access. But actually, the the really smart piece is then how do you integrate that with your financial management system? How do you then start 
creating a financial management system for the for the year and then also to be able to to forecast so we we did a lot of work with the uh, finance team we did a lot of work looking at um, coding and costing structures and ensuring that they could correlate and work with our programs as opposed to trying to fit a structure over here that didn't really quite marry with the program. So we, we did a lot of work designing our coding structure. So it's still SIPFA um, compliant. Um, and we started to work with and start to move the organization more to outcomes-based budgeting as well. So we could take a different approach and start building a more program approach so we could create some agility in with our budgeting. It also meant that we could um, create some faster decision-making. So, um, was, I'd like to say it looks exactly like this, but I had some very clever people behind the scenes building some simple yet what I would say sophisticated systems between our financial system and then also our program management system and bringing the two really closely together. And the the output, the data and how that was presented as well, you know, really ensuring that we were presenting it in a way that made sense that could be usable by all levels of the organization, not just at the top table, not just with counselors, but also with our staff. You know, we could keep them on track. They're part of the story because they look, it's looking like this. Here we are, month two. This is where we're this is where we're at. We did some work um, with uh, some of just how people access their benefits, how they were able to interact and not have to kind of go through a very convoluted system. We simplified it right down for, for our residents and that also created some efficiencies and some cash. And, you know, we were able to reflect that back to the staff and um, and what that did also, because it was real proof, you know, they could, they could see it as well. It then fed them going, well, oh, we can go get some more. <laughs> what else can we do? That was, that's really good. Has that really brought in that much money? So, um, so by making it simple and by making sure that everyone involved in that change program at every level can engage with the data and with the program, that's where you see the, the program accelerate and to, to drive the best transformation. Yeah, but we had to be brave. There's some things I would say with um, the approach that um, I, I have taken and in which I will take forward is um, you have to be brave to simplify people will, you, you, you present something and go, people will be like, really? It's, so you have to be, you have to be brave to, to do that because, and you'll probably recognize this, getting to know local government. We like to overthink. We like to have systems and processes. There are, of course, you know, we've got compliance, you know, regulations and things that are really important. And that comes back to being a trusted supplier, of course. But actually, we don't have to do that every step of the way. So having some bravery to go, actually, for this particular aspect, no, we don't need this, this, this and this. It can be just this. The other aspect, I think, where we need to be brave, and I feel through transformation programmes as well, there is an expectation of everything's got to kind of trickle along towards this. We're going to be well and we're going to create this and it's all got to be good and it can't go wrong. I think part of getting a really good end state and a really good outcome is making some mistakes along the way and taking some risk-based decisions, learning quickly, turning it around quickly, having a handle on, on the costs so that you can go, oh, actually, I think we're going to stop here because it costs too much. Actually, this isn't working. We're going to stop. Or actually, we're going to, we're going to continue. We're going to take a risk-based decision. And again, that data through that program approach integrated with our finance system enabled us to have data at the table to say, We've set off on this programme. 
we're two months in, this is the health of it. We can do this, we can do this. What's the decision? And people have felt very confident to make a decision of whether we do or we don't continue with a particular programme of work. And if we said no, that was okay. And we could go back to staff and say, you know, actually this one's not gonna fly. Where can we go next? And, and staff were engaged with that rather than feeling deflated, thinking, oh, what's the point in all of that? So there's something about language, there's something about narrative, there's something about how we do bring in more um, sort of risk-based learning in a measured and controlled way into our transformation to really ensure that the, um, you know, the outcomes are are met and are, are robust. It's really interesting as well, because, you know, we talked a lot over the last, you know, couple of planning sessions for this podcast around how that approach allows you to be agile. Because, I mean, if the last two years has taught us anything as members of societies, is how many things are going to be hitting us that you're not even aware of now. The crisis that happened in COVID, no one would have expected. I mean, I appreciate it was on the, the risk register, but no one thought it would happen in their lifetime. And I, like you said there, I just I think the key message we keep coming back to here is if you can be if you can be simple mm. and uh, that allows you to really make a difference in terms of transformation programmes. I want to get back to the, 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 the section around um, the, the involvement with the politicians. What do you think is the successful, how do you successfully engage with elected members on a transformation programme? I think they have to be um, very much shoulder to shoulder with you in true and practical uh, sense. The, you know, the, the relationship, as we know, between officers and members is an important one in terms of also providing check and check and challenge. Um, that that's required between between the two i think that through the governance the corporate governance of of any council there are enough routes to ensure safety and check and challenge through audit committees scrutiny so on and so forth that i think officers and members could maybe relax a little bit more start to trust each other a bit more and i and i don't say that word lightly because um and, and, I, and i'll explain that in a minute but um to, to really come shoulder to shoulder and, and to really get clear on those outcomes, because I think what happens is, as I started, members can see the forward forecast, you know, and have seen the forward forecast and have sat in front of the accountants and the chief exec and have seen, you know, oh, gosh, over the next few years, our costs are going one way, our funding's going the other. Yikes. Ooh. And of course, engage with a transformation program that gives a really sexy bottom line figure, because why why wouldn't you? And, and, and of course, sign up to it. And it, it, it's great. But I, my experience is what happens is their ability because of the complexity and the scale of these transformation programs that they lose their way, they lose the connection and therefore they start to lose a sense of trust. And from an officer point of view, you can sense that coming from the councillors and you're on a trajectory where you feel, oh, my goodness, I don't want I can't have this transformation going off course. You know, we've got X amount of costs profiled out. We can't have it stalling. I've you know, I've got to keep going, keep going. And you start to do a bit of a dance, you know, in a perhaps an unconscious way that doesn't really then keep you as an organisation, a specific and outcome driven as, as perhaps your intent is. And, and I think it's not it's not a, a, a malicious intent. It's just the dance that I see a big transformation program forces on officers and members. And I think it's unfortunate because 
you know, I, I think when officers and members really come together well over an outcome, I've seen some fantastic results and a fantastic relationship. And that can only that can only build. So um, that that for me is is pretty key. And, and, I, and again, it comes back to the beast, back to the wrong end of the telescope, driving the wrong behaviours, driving the wrong line of sight driving members you know and if you've got to remember as well some of these councillors um they come from all walks of life you know sorry that's my dog somebody's rung the doorbell <laughs> Isn't that ever, never hopefully it'll stop in a minute um oh gosh i've lost my train of thought now Where so we're just I? saying about it's the wrong end of the telescope so when actually with political members yes um you know you you, you can't yes they come from all walks of life Yes. And, you know, um, you know, I've, I've had uh, councillors that own their own um, electrical business, people that are retired, that haven't worked for, for a very long time, you know, and therefore, what does a transformation programme with change managers and PMOs and, um, you know, benefits tracking and uh, work streams and what what does that really mean to them how how could we possibly expect them to to engage and support and drive and, and make sure that it's targeted in the right area it's very very difficult but equally for officers you know they are just keen to deliver to make sure we get some savings coming through um so i again switching language which is simplifying getting smaller getting specific building and building proof of concept keep going keep going really getting robust um tracking to build confidence that means then you've got a really strong platform to start accelerating some of the bigger savings and driving that through so that's what i would want to see on a transformation program um, for me going forward that would certainly be my approach i also took a different approach with um my my sort of transformation program, my modernization agenda, which 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 was looking at digital change um, as as well as savings and customer response. But um, I went for a more um, bespoke um, set of external support rather than buying perhaps one all encompassing package that fits. We're here to make you well. Um, I actually wanted to be uh, again very clear and very specific on the skill sets and, and very um, honest about the skill sets that I felt we didn't have in the council so that I could really then target my budget so that it was very, very clear and I was absolutely targeting and laser-like in who I was bringing. So the financial management, the fact that how do you measure from, from transaction to, to finance? When I talked to my finance team, they're like, that's mind blowing, can't be done because they're, you know, their experience is, is one area in a lot of depth, very professional, but actually in terms of being able to, to transform and change that. So you know, I brought in some very specific um, external support who came in and sat shoulder to shoulder with my team, didn't come in to say, I'm going to transform you. They came in and said, this is the outcome that your director is looking for. I'm here to help. I haven't got all the answers. Let's work on it together. Here's some stuff that I can bring to you. And it was very much a joint approach, which, again, skilled up and, you know, brought some real breadth to, to, to my finance team, for example. But so, again, it's the fact that you've identified very clearly the specific skills that were missing and therefore the solution. I mean, it's a bit like, you know, uh, 
now with all these things you you started slowly you built the trust therefore people embrace it more then you can go a little bit faster but you know from all all our conversations it's not going in starting at a million miles an hour because people don't tend to buy into that or trust that it's it's building no. it over time no but i think also you have to keep in the back of your mind and this is where i said to my team you know by year three you know we we will be this is where we're going to need to be in terms of cashable savings you know and we will need to accelerate and we're going to need to think about where does that acceleration point come where where will it be safe um and that's part of the approach because you know you can't get enough continuous improvement and be agile enough unless you have some acceleration in it you, you just have to particularly again with some of the sort of global impacts that we're seeing climate change is going to be absolutely it flooding fire you can you can see that's also going to start hitting authorities more and more and we know through cost of living the pressure that's putting on adults um, and children's services as well um, so there yeah, is I would a like to say, yeah, would say yeah sorry yeah it's just that there, there is an urgency so I, I think you know just temper my my wrong end of the telescope has to be tempered with you have to have a clear line of sight on that urgency as well and that acceleration and and where you know you're going to need to put your foot on the accelerator and when and and how you sort of make that decision absolutely absolutely i mean i would i would love to actually drop you into the central government for to sort out the leveling up bill going to the house of lords at the moment and just guys if we're not <laughs> going to keep it simple it's not going to work but um, um, I, I yeah <laughs> I mean, absolutely. I mean, um, yeah, if ever there was a truer case for simplification, and again, we saw this through the pandemic, <laughs> just my guys were absolutely, you know, when it came to dishing out the, the funds, um, my guys were absolutely chomping at the bit, but um, yeah. <laughs> well, I, well, look, Alison, I, I thoroughly, it's been fantastic to talk today about transformation, and um, I'm really excited for um, our following our follow-up conversation we're having in a couple of weeks around women in leadership and local mm -hmm. government because I think that's another really important topic that we need to spend some time exploring um Alison is is joining the interim market um when she exits from um Somerset Western Taunton which I'm really excited about because I look at the amazing work you've done at Somerset Western Taunton and I see a number of councils that you know have had these programs of change and you know if if you know you can personally help or you know taking these 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 kind of pillars of wisdom um and they, they can be embraced across the sector i think we'd see some fantastic fantastic outcomes but from from myself personally from everyone listening at home thank you so much for your time today it's been fantastic um and um no it's been really wonderful and if you're listening at home thank you so much for listening um we really do appreciate it please like share and follow the podcast and give it a five-star review if you are able to um but for myself and Alison, thank you for listening and goodbye thank you